Please open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 38. can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1510. not only important that we take note of the many miracles that Christ did and the content of his teaching, that is the gospel of the kingdom, but I believe it's important that we take notice of the way that Christ interacted with others when he was on this earth, the way he took notice of people. Read with me. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As far the reading of God's holy word, may we be reminded that God's word remains forever, though the flower may fade and the grass wither. What kind of feeling do you get when you hear the word evangelism? What does that stir up inside you? How would you define the word evangelism? It comes from the Greek word euangelion, which simply means Good news. Good news. Although today it's probably become more connected with the technical outworking of our faith, which is the act of sharing the gospel with someone who is not a Christian. Evangelism. Good news. Well, author Mark Middleberg once said that evangelism is one of the highest values in the church and one of the least practiced. And in the book by Jerry Root and Stan Guthrie entitled The Sacrament of Evangelism, they say, evangelism has become the hobby of the few rather than a joyful expectation of all. Maybe many of you know George Barna. He's known for putting a lot of research together. And he wrote a book called Rechurching the Unchurched wherein he collected data about the ways in which people from the outside come into church. 
And what he discovered through his data collecting process was that 73% of non-Christians are virtually ignored and 90% of Christians remain inactive concerning evangelism. Case in point, we've got a problem. Because if there's one thing that we can determine by the reading of Scripture is that the outwork of being saved is wanting others to be saved. The fact that we just read when those blind men were healed, Jesus said, don't say anything, and they couldn't help it. They had to tell others of this Christ. Well, that is exactly why we're going to be doing this sermon series in the evening concerning spiritual conversations. Spiritual conversations. And the way I'm looking at these evening sermons is a little bit more practical for you guys, okay? In the morning, we're dealing with those big questions in the Explore God Chicago series. And it seems... It, it, seem, it may seem like that those sermons are being a little bit more addressed towards an unbeliever or somebody who may be visiting who is wondering about Christianity or God. But these evening sermons, I'm wanting to take some simple practices and work them into our lives that we can begin to live evangelistically. That is to say, there's always this worry when you start a program or a sermon series at church that what you think I'm going to be talking about in a spiritual conversations evangelism series is here's the one, two, three, easy three-step process of how you get your friend or your, a stranger to know Jesus. I mean, we kind of like that, don't we? We kind of like the Romans Road approach. We kind of like, you know, the Ray Comfort approach and those all great things. But that's a program. And I don't want this to be a program. I want this to be us looking at God's word together, seeing how it calls us to pay attention to those who are around us. And then simply by living out the gospel, we begin to engage strangers, loved ones, and spiritual conversations because they can tell that we love Jesus we love them. This is something we're going to have to practice at. But the idea is that eventually it would be natural. A natural part of our Christian life. And, and I don't want this to be misconstrued either. As if to say, well, I've determined that I have finally figured out evangelism. And I'm going to tell all you exactly how to do it. Because this is a journey together. These are things I need to work on. These are things that I need to grow in. We need to grow in together. In fact, as we're looking at the two practices that we're going to be looking at tonight, noticing others, praying for others, I became convicted and thought to myself, Sometimes I don't even notice and pray for my wife and kids. 
And here I'm up here saying to you guys, we should start noticing and praying for those around us, seeking to bring the love of Christ and the gospel to them. So we're on this journey together, okay? We're on this journey together. And, and it's basically nine practices, and we're going to be going over these over the next seven weeks. So tonight we have two that we're going to be looking at. And it's going to hopefully help us, equip us to begin to engage in our lives in an evangelistic way, to begin to bridge the gaps between the way that we act right now towards sharing the gospel with others and having spiritual conversations uh, with, with those around us. So the theme tonight is this. Evangelism happens... In our everyday life, as we notice and pray for those around us, evangelism happens in our everyday life as we notice and pray for those around us. It's important that you get this idea, everyday life, because I'm not asking you to do something that seems extraordinary, that it seems like only particular people can stand out on a street corner and, and preach the gospel, or maybe only certain people have the courage to, to hand lots of gospel tracts out. But what I'm asking you to do is to take account of your life and your everyday life and realize that you've been missing out on a lot of opportunities to notice others, to pray for them. Maybe if you want it to be a little bit more... Uh, Folsom, you could say, evangelism to the glory of God and for the sake of Christ happens in our everyday life when we notice and pray for those around us. And of course, we got two points tonight. Number one, notice. And number two, pray. And I don't know where this marker came from, but somebody put it up here, and it is fantastic. It's a good marker. So let's look at um, the first point, notice, Okay. Of course, we can say as Christians that Jesus is our model of noticing. And if you look at the passage that we read this evening, you'll notice that Jesus paid attention to these blind men who are ignored. In fact, in other uh, gospels, the synoptic gospels, the, 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 uh, the disciples are telling this, this blind man, be quiet. Don't bother Jesus. He's important. He's got things he needs to do. And Jesus took notice of them. Healed them. And then, of course, if you look at he was going throughout the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, we read in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, of course, there's... Many other examples that we could pull from the scripture of Jesus taking notice of sinners, taking notice of those around him. One of them I can just throw off is Zacchaeus. He want, Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus is the one who took notice of him. Zacchaeus, come down and we'll stay at your house today. So this can happen on an individual level, 
right? You take notice of individual people, and for most of us, this is how it's going to typically happen. We're going to see a certain person, a man, a woman, uh, a family throughout our day, and we're going to take notice of them. But it can also happen on a group level. Just this evening, we we prayed for prisoners, those who are incarcerated. Some people, uh, you know, their heart is heavy for prisoners, so they do many different things for them. They share the gospel with them. They go in and do Bible studies with them. So this happens on an individual and, and, and group basis or level. And, and I don't want us to get confused. I don't want us to think, well, Carrie, we're not Christ. I, I get that. We aren't Christ. Christ is the God-man. What he did in this earth is unique. It can't be recreated. It can't be, we can't do the same thing as, as Christ, the God-man. But because the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, we do have the mind of Christ, and we're being renewed in, this, in the image of Christ. So I think that we can take some pointers from him. Take some pointers from the way he lived his spirit-empowered life and seek to exemplify something, some of the things that he did. And one of the things that I think we can take note of when we consider Christ and what he did is the particular kind of people that he associated with. Now, as we're beginning to discuss noticing others, there's this really sly trick that we can do. And I think it's natural for us. And that is, we're quicker to notice and to want to engage people who are like us. I mean, it's, it's true. People who are in the same socioeconomic realm, people who are in the same phrase of, or phase of life, you know, young families. I like to, my, my wife family like to associate with other young families. But Christ, he came and he associated with the outcasts, with the thrown off, with the misfits, with the sinners. And that's really at the heart of the gospel, that kind of willingness to take notice, to consider those who are often unnoticed and cast off from society. So we need to be careful not to make that error and be willing to associate with all kinds of people for the sake of Christ. And I think it's important that we understand that this is really at the bottom what the gospel is all about. God noticed us in Christ. He took account of our condition, cast off, misfit, sinners, and he did not do nothing. He sent his son into this world to die on the cross for sinners. That is at the heart of the gospel, and that's why when we're talking about these practices of beginning to engage in spiritual conversations, notice is number one. Notice is the first thing you do because if we're going to seek to begin to know someone that we may share the gospel with them, a precursor to knowing someone is noticing them. Noticing leads to knowing. Noticing creates the opportunity for knowing. It humanizes 
the nameless faces around us. People become real to us, real lives, real problems, and real need of a Savior. And noticing is a relational act of kindness. It's the first act of kindness that we can give to someone is to take note of them. It's to see that they are there. It's to see that they are made in the image of God. That they are worthy of dignity and respect. That they, just like us, are created for eternity. Whatever that eternity may be. That they're meaningful. That their life has purpose. To take notice of them. It's an act of kindness. And it's one that's so often neglected self-absorbed culture. I don't know if uh, you've ever done this recently, but it's something that's quite fun for my wife and I to do and my family. As we go out to, uh, you know, this is to a restaurant, you go out to eat and you're sitting there with your family and you're engaging in conversation with them, just take a moment and look around at all the people who are dining around you. And count how many people are doing this. Hey, I know this is a problem for me too. I'm not picking on other people. But that is to say that we live in a culture and society where people don't even look up and look at each other anymore. So if you begin to take notice of others to really look at them, give them eye contact, let them know that you care, let me tell you, that makes a world of difference. It's contrary to our busy, self-absorbed culture to look up from our phones, our own lives, our own issues, to focus on someone else. So I want to give you three simple practices that you can do to begin to to do this, to take notice. Okay, I'm going to put it over here. The first is pay attention. Pay attention. Concentrate on someone long enough to wonder about them. And as you're doing this, this can be a stranger, this can, whoever it may be, you may be sitting in a doctor's office and you're looking at other people who are waiting in the doctor's office. Think about questions like this. Well, I wonder what her story is. I wonder where they're from. I wonder if he's happy, sad, angry, lonely. And as you're pondering these things, you can do the next thing. You can pray. Now, this should be a silent prayer. You know, don't stand up in the doctor's office and say, Oh, Lord, I thank you for this person who I have never met and, I'm pray- and I've been thinking about for the last five minutes. That would be awkward. No, this is a secret prayer, a silent prayer, that as you're pondering about this person, you're wondering about their life, you say, God, bless that person. May they come to know or may they know the love of Christ. 
And I can, I can tell you that as you begin to wonder about this person, as you send up a prayer to God, that maybe, maybe that could bolster your courage and your boldness in order to walk up to them and say, how are you doing? How are you doing? In a way that says, I'm not simply saying that as a, you know, kind gesture. You know how it is, you know. How are you doing today? Oh boy, let me tell you. Oh no, what did I get myself into? Oh no. How are you? Then just listen. Show genuine interest. I'm not good at this. You know what I'm doing usually when someone's talking to me? Thinking about what I'm going to say next. I got to work on this. Really invest your time in that person. Listening to them. Evangelizing with your ears. Showing them that you care enough to hear what they have to say. Those are three simple ways to practice noticing. So let's, let's look then now at prayer, praying. We've looked at noticing. Let's look at praying, okay? So as we're practicing these, uh, these real simple, real, real easy things, we're now looking at our life around us. We're noticing the people that are around us, that God has placed around us. We're beginning to have our eyes open to the way God is working in this world. Now, what's the next step? Pray. Pray. And prayer is important because we often have an inflated view of our role in the process of someone coming to know Jesus. But I think we should all know here, God is the only one who can save. God is the only one who can save. Only God can do the saving. And praying is our way of recognizing our dependence on God. Our knowledge of that very truth. Now, the need for prayer is obvious. It's all over the scriptures, but Jesus, when he was confronted with unbelief, the gospel of John, he said these words, starting in verse 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one. No one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. No one can be convicted of sin and their need for a Savior apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. Yet nonetheless... God invites us to participate 
and his work of redemption that he is doing. He uses us in our prayers as a means to bring about salvation in this world. The way we do this is through prayer. Remember what Lord's Day 45 question answer 116 says about prayer. The question is, why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them. We, we depend on God to move. Nonetheless, God works through our dependence upon him, through our prayers, through the answering of our prayers, through the changing of our own hearts and minds as we seek to live evangelistically. Prayer of dependence. Not only because we know that only God can save but because we know that we're not strong enough. We have insufficient strength. We depend on God, we depend on God because our own strength is insufficient. Because we do have an enemy in evangelism, and we always have to keep that in mind. Paul told us in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Pastor and speaker Lon Allison once said, there is no issue or area in your life where you are most in the fray against forces you can't see than when you are doing evangelism. Unless we engage our witness about Jesus with spiritual weapons, we are doomed to fail. God, of course, is the source of all the power that we need. And he alone can defeat our enemy and rescue a human heart. And this is why prayer not only changes us, but prayer is a weapon. Spiritual warfare. As we seek to bring the good news of the gospel to those around us. God uses the means of our prayer to soften the hard hearts of others. It is a very clear reality that because of sin, because we are sinful by nature, people are hardened against the Lord and His ways. They do not and they will not see their need for a Savior, so we must call upon the Lord to intervene. We must call upon the work of the Holy Spirit to change hearts. Just as the Lord opened the heart of Lydia to respond to Paul's preaching. In Acts chapter 16, we notice those around us become alive to the way God is working in this world. We begin to humanize the people around us and see them as made in the image of God with real lives, real stories, real names. We pray for them. That God may grant us the opportunity to build relationships with them, to speak about spiritual things with them, to share our faith with them. That begins our journey. That begins our journey. These two, these two things, noticing, praying, so basic, so foundational to the way that we begin to live evangelistically. 
We lead with dependence on God and love for others. In this, we submit to God's plan, and we agree to show up willing to be used for God's purposes in the lives of those around us for Christ's sake. You know, these are simple ways, simple practices that help us to begin living evangelistically. And maybe I should ask you, who is it that you could be taking more notice of? Who is it that you could be praying for? Maybe it's people you know well. Maybe it's complete strangers. Maybe it's a man that takes the same train into the city and out of the city every day with you. Maybe it's your brother or son, sister or daughter. Whoever it may be, as we live in light of the good news we have received by faith in Jesus Christ, may we begin to reach out to others in simple ways by really noticing people and by praying for them in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenge of your word brought before us. We ask, Lord, that you would embolden us and give us courage, give us a renewal of the goodness of the good news. Fill our hearts with gratitude that we may seek to live in such a way that through our lives and the adorning of the gospel, through the preaching, proclaiming, sharing of your good news, others would come to know you through us. We ask, Lord, that this week you would help us to notice people and to pray for them in the name of Christ, that they may one day come to know you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.